This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooka. So a quick update. Uh, fans of the pod will might have a dim memory of just a little bit of bragging uh, from last week. There might have been a little bit of preemptive revenge audio bragging and... I think all of my revenge chickens <laughs> are coming home to roost. Uh, I am in the room that will one day soon have revenge audio. And it feels like, Shag, we spoke about it as a revenge body analogy. It feels like it's like, well, I've got my gym membership. So my revenge body is coming up soon. And so, you know, revenge audio, I've got the room it's going to be in. And then I'm going to do some Googling. And then I'm going to hang some blankets around the place. And it's going to be great. To, to make... Peach's confusing intro, super clear. Because mm. I think mm. sometimes we're not the easiest podcast to just dive in at a certain <coughs> episode. There's a lot of assumed knowledge. Peach wanted to have his version of a revenge body, which was going to be mm. revenge audio. Revenge mm. on imagined people who didn't like the sound of his audio previously because yes. he's just moved into a new house and there's room in this new house because Australia mm. generally has more space per capita than most countries in the world. Mm. Uh, there's room in this house to have a dedicated, I guess, office slash podcast space where he can create a soundproof-ish room to have amazing audio. Just to get everyone up to speed. Think those black foam cubes. It's going to be covered in black foam cubes. <laughs> the number of black foam cubes it's going to have. It's, it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> there won't be any black foam cubes left for other podcasts. It's going to be sick. Um, but Shag, uh, the, the one thing I did want to kick off today's discussion with is that um, uh, having moved to a new house, we're still members of the same community. And that, and that includes some of the golden children who form part of my household. And one of them performed in a musical, and the musical was based on Shrek, of all things. Right. Like, you know what's funny? Because mm. Shrek the musical only really exists because of internet fandom. And yet, Shrek was originally a kid's film. And the fact that it's come full circle from kid's film to sort of cult internet ironic success to create mm. a musical, to come back to being something performed by kids, I think that's kind of magical and like the truest proof that the internet is pure chaos in that you have no idea where things will eventuate to. If I'd have told you 10 years ago that Shrek is going to become cool again and then become so popular that Shrek will be a bit played out again, <laughs> <laughs> there is no way you would have believed me. But um, this is a performance that's at a school. And there are just a couple of points I want to bring to your attention, Shake, to troubleshoot with me a bit. Now, Lord Farquaad, you might remember, is the John Lithgow character. Yeah. And um, that character is not very tall at all. That character is a very short person. Uh, and so 
Uh, the performance of the character was performed by uh, a an actor uh, who was on their knees and just sort of kneeing around with little false legs. And there were lots of jokes made at the expense of um, Lord Farquaad's stature, saying he wasn't very tall and, and, and jokes to that effect. And just on its face, I was like, mm, I'm not sure how I feel about having children pretend to be short and then mercilessly mock someone else for being short. Mm. It's 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 similar to the only real criticism of Fury Road that sort of outlier bodies are bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so like I sort of immediately like, don't know how I feel about this. And then Shake, if I can tell you the role of donkey. Um, oh God. So if you're going to costume a donkey, the colours you've got to choose from are. <laughs> Grey and brown, right? <laughs> and so the costume is going to then have makeup, facial makeup oh, applied. Pitch. It's either no, going to be no, grey or brown. No, no. This is a brown, this brown donkey and brown face oh, on a oh. on a on a child with an Anglo-Celtic, you know, Anglo-Australian background. And I don't know if you're familiar with the voice of Donkey Shag. Do you recall it was a character played by Eddie Murphy? Yes, I com- I completely remember. And. The way the character was played in brownface was as a, an homage or an attempt to mimic <laughs> oh, the Eddie Murphy conduct. And so what we had was young Australian children <laughs> mocking short people and then putting on brownface and putting on an accent intending to sound like Eddie Murphy. And I suppose the question I want to get to is, how to calibrate my outrage because I was sort of sitting there because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really want to like storm out um, because one of our golden children was like one of the one of the you know one of the upper second leads and you know I wasn't going to storm out of there and it's like well am I going to write a note what am I going to say Shag so so a little bit of guidance or should I just should I just relax Shag it's just a bit of fun what do you reckon so. First of all, can I mm. ask, and purely for mm. comedy's sake, because I think it's extremely funny that you of all people had to see this rendition of Shrek the Musical. <laughs> did you, you, your children or some of your children were in this, did you mm. only find out about these characters when you were watching the musical? I only found out about the way they were being performed. Yeah. So I was sitting there and just <laughs> like seeing Lord Fuckwood kneel out of there into the main area and be like, oh, a little short on ideas, are we, Lord Fuckwood? Yeah, so it was a realisation made on the night in the moment. Also, because, <clears throat> because just imagining you slowly realizing what was happening and just <laughs> being being in a room full of probably oblivious parents because mm. l- let's be honest you live in a part of australia and there are lots of parts of australia even though australia as a country before it was called australia was home to the oldest culture in the world mm-hmm. now has parts of like quite large parts of the country where it's basically white people right like yeah. And you know the area where you live is 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 one of those areas where it's it's like that. And I think Australia as a country mm. is very new to reckoning with its racist and prejudicial history. Yes. And because of that, has a lot of these areas where you'll find a lot of this. And I'm trying to find a way to describe it. Very much, I think you'd call it like oblivious racism. 
Yep. Where, yeah, well, I was going to say naive racism. But yeah, yes, like yours, whatever yours is it better. is, right? Where it's mm. like, and, you know, like in, in, intention is not that important in this instance, but mm. you, you can imagine that these kids don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're just no. kids. These, these adults are probably in love with the show in the same way that, you know, 10 years ago, like, I, like I've said before, mm. I could DJ hip-hop in Sydney clubs and mm. have a room full of white people shout back the N-word at me in songs. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It's, it's like yeah. it, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that happens. So I, 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 to, to be honest, I actually don't have an answer to it. I mean, this is a culture, right? In Sydney, the most cosmopolitan city in the country, within the last five or six years, there was like a hip-hop-themed bar that had a chicken and watermelon oh, dish that was called yeah. like the Obama or some yeah. shit. And it's like... <laughs> oh, it's always called like the Big Popper or something, right? Uh, like it's God, always like, based on 90s hip-hop to, to the point where 90s hip-hop in Sydney is almost meaningless because it's, oh, it's a branding vehicle rather than... A historical era of music but such a select amount and i don't want to get distracted about big pun but i feel like big pun and big l just are nowhere and people <laughs> reminiscing about 90s hip-hop or even illmatic like it's like yeah 90s hip-hop maybe <laughs> kind of but basically biggie and maybe tupac and it's like okay cool like <laughs> oh yeah totally. anyway, i can be like, djing at an australian wedding yeah. Drunk, and it's always drunk girls coming up to me being like, can you play? What, Juicy? They'll ask for 90s hip-hop, and I'll play something like Wu-Tang, and they'll be like, can you play 90s hip-hop? And I'll be like, <laughs> but I am. <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah, like, Sean so Love is great, yeah. It's, it, no. it's, a very, it's, a very, it's a very limited view of what that genre constitutes. Anyway, mm. because I think it's interesting that you just saw a Shrek, musical which is mm. i guess like keeping the fan alive of a cultural moment from like a long long time ago in the same way today peach because this episode mm. is being released on halloween <laughs> i think it's time for us to go back to one of our favorite series and something that doesn't happen often in mm. horror today mm. Peach, you're going to witness the end. I'm so excited. Well, you're going to hear slash witness. I don't know. How would you even describe it? Like, I guess you're witnessing it in your mind, do you? Secondhand. Am I witnessing it secondhand? But, but like, you know, this is actually an interesting question. When I describe mm. these things to you, do you sort of, like, and this goes into, like, how you think as a person, but do you imagine <laughs> things in your brain? Or are you just hearing the word? Are you essentially, are you, like, reading a book in your brain? Or are you imagining scenes in your brain? No, I'm, um, you know how there's the type of brain that can form sort of pictures and concepts when they hear something explained? They're like, yeah, I get it. A yellow boat yeah. on a river. That's awesome. I'm the exact opposite. I'm like, yep, I understand the word yellow. I understand the word river. I understand the word boat. Yep, I understand. So I'm, I'm very, very literal shag working through it. So if there's a detail that's in there, I'm like, yep, yeah, cool, got it. Um, and my sort of imagination going beyond that is, is, is very little. And, and so that means that um, the experience I have, I like to tell myself is pretty close to the experience I have watching the film. I'm like, cool, yep, killer comes in. All right, cool, there's some bad stuff. All right, bit of blood. Okay, let's go. <laughs> All right, well, Peach, today mm. you are going to, to be listening to <laughs> the conclusion to the current canon mm. of the Halloween franchise with Halloween Ends. 
Play some more 90s hip hop shag. Like, <laughs> you know that band who did Jenny from the Block? It's been four years since Michael Myers vanished without a trace. I was certain that I saw him watching me. You pretend like you moved on, but you're actually just obsessed with death. What are you gonna do when Michael comes back for you? Because he is coming. But this time, something feels different. He's more dangerous. Maybe the only way he can die is if I die too. It all ends now. sick and again trailers it's so rough it's like halloween in cinemas october 13 and it's like oh there's something jarring about when you're expecting it to be 31 shag it does halloween actually end like it's one of the spicy questions we'll get to at the conclusion uh you will find out Mm. but you know what i always say about a good horror time okay but let let's just step back a bit because this is quite a momentous film Mm. Because according to the current canon, and if you remember from uh, last year's Halloween episode when we covered Halloween Kills, Mm. the Halloween franchise has gone in many different directions over the past, what? 40? 40? 40? 40? Yeah, yeah, 1978. So 43 years, Mm. 44 years. And this current canon says that after the original Halloween from 1978, Halloween 2, Halloween 3, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, Halloween H2O 20 years later, Halloween Resurrection, and then Rob Zombie's Halloween and Halloween 2 never happened. Magic. They say that after 1978, Michael Myers had been in jail for a while. Uh, In 2018 for Halloween, always confusing to have a film be followed by a sequel with the same name. Can I just press you for a moment? Yeah. How did that, like... How, how is it made explicit that it's a sequel to the original and not to those various sequels? Is that just in press releases or? Kind of, yeah. Okay. I, I guess if, if you like horror, you're a part of horror fandom. Really. Mm. And if you care enough to follow, uh, to follow the, the story of Michael Myers, you'll probably understand what's going on. Ah, uh, okay. Really? Yep. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I guess they kind of, there's a, there's a bit of exposition at the start of the 2018 Halloween. If you remember correctly, it starts with a couple of idiot oh, inner city podcasters, podcasters yeah, who want to right. make a true crime series around Michael, mm. who's been in jail all this time and has never said why. Mm. Eventually, because of them, he breaks out. He goes to take on Laurie Strode, who he's always wanted to kill. But mm. twist, she's been Terminator 2-ing this whole time Sick. and has created a house that's basically a trap for him. She thinks she's burned him alive in the cellar, but by Halloween kills, he hasn't. He escapes. Yes. The town turns vigilante against him, but then, again, plot twist, almost everyone dies, including Laurie Strode's daughter. 
That's and right. we end that film with him in the house where he originally killed his sister, having just killed Laurie Strode's daughter, staring out the window blankly because for some reason he always comes home and looks out the window. And there was a question about whether he was looking out or he was looking at his reflection. Sick. That is actually really cool. I'm having fun. Right. So the way these films came about is because the director, David Gordon Green, made the reboot. Uh, I mean, the sequel reboot, sort of, you know, whatever you want to call it, in 2018. Lego sequel. Yeah, Lego sequel. I love that. Mm. And when pressed about whether there'd be a sequel to his, he was like, let's see how it performs at the box office. I love honesty. That's so good of like, yeah, man, it's a 10-film series. It's like, mm, if we make some money, we'll see how we go. <laughs> so I think within a week it had done so well that they were like, we're making a sequel. Now, at the time, he decided to make two sequels. He was going to film them back-to-back to form a bit of a trilogy, even though it's a quadrilogy. Yeah, it's the 13th and 14th film or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, right? And apparently... He wanted to make Halloween Kills an action film and Halloween Ends a Love Story, which I'm like, it's like cool, good, but make also make sure they're horror films as well. But <laughs> Don't get too distracted. Yeah, don't. Like, yes, cool. And I love that you're an artist and I love that you <laughs> want to bring something new, but I also want a Halloween film. Anyway, so yep. Halloween Kills was pretty good, got lots of reviews, killed lots of people. Very shocking. <laughs> lots of shit happened. I love that. It got lots of reviews. <laughs> was it good? Yeah, man. It got heaps of reviews. It was awesome. Anyway, it, based on that, mm. the anticipation for Halloween ends, based on the, the pedigree of the previous two films, but also the idea that they would end this franchise 40-plus years later, mm. built some incredible anticipation for this film. I saw it on a preview screening mm. without seeing any reviews for it. I really liked it. And then immediately the next day saw that reviews were generally negative, like kind of muddled, but generally people were like, what the fuck was that? And I'm very excited to see what you think <laughs> about the ending of this film. But if you remember correctly, after mm. the Halloween, with Halloween Kills, he breaks out of the house kills all those firefighters who came to put out the fire. Yeah, I remember that. Then goes into the town. Laurie basically turns the town, gets them all vigilante, like gets them psyched up to be mm. like, this is our town. You don't have to run. We don't like, let's fucking kill him. They all end up in hospital. They accidentally kill an old man who they decide is Michael Myers, even though mm. they turn it out it isn't. This big gang of people go to like fight him in the streets. They beat the shit out of him. But then Michael Myers style, he comes back to life and kills them all. And then he doesn't die or get killed so that's where we begin halloween ends all right okay so on halloween night in 2019 21 year old Corey cunningham is babysitting a young boy named jeremy who pulls a prank on Corey by locking him inside the attic so it's one of those giant stately Rich American country houses that kind of look like the White House, you know, with like the really tall pillars. Yes. Like, I, I, like you don't really see these houses outside of American. Like in Jumanji? Like the Jumanji house? Like, yeah, like in Jumanji or in like Home Alone, you know, that giant yep. mansion, you know, like that sort of thing. Like you don't yep. really see them outside of American cinema. Anyway, so he's babysitting a kid in this house. The parents are basically like, 
uh, he doesn't like scary movies, so like no TV and straight to bed and blah, blah, blah. And also they implicate that this guy that's babysitting them, Corey, like used to cut their lawn, but they needed a babysitter. He's not a babysitter. Anyway, turns out this kid's like a little shit. And it's like- <laughs> He doesn't you, have the skills. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, and it's like, yeah. if we can't watch a scary movie, I'm going to tell mom and dad. So they watch a scary movie. Anyway, Corey goes to like get some popcorn. Here's some breakage in the room. Comes back, sees a door slightly ajar, a lampshade knocked over. Kids disappear. Mm, fake out. Yeah, okay. I'm not a... Goes back into the kitchen. One of the... The kitchen knives is gone, like the classic implement of Michael. Yeah. And hears a noise upstairs, starts walking upstairs. On the way up to the attic, finds the kitchen knife on like one of the stairs, picks it up, goes inside the attic, and the door slams on him. And he freaks out. And it's completely, you know, it's pitch black. And he goes back to the door. And he's like, let me out, let me out. And then he can hear the kid laughing. And he's like, see, you are scared. Ha, 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 ha. And Corey's really freaking out. And he's like, let me out, you little shit. I'm going to tell your parents. And he's like kicking at the door. Meanwhile, we cut to the parents arriving back home and they're about to come home. And Corey's kicking at the door. And we're like, why are they building this tension? Corey finally kicks the door open. This attic is at the top of three flights of stairs. It knocks the kid over the balustrade. The kid falls and we watch this kid fall to the ground. His neck completely snaps. And we watch this kid just die at the bottom of the staircase as the parents come in being like, what the fuck did you do? Corey, like looking downstairs being like, what the fuck? I just killed a kid. And then it just goes to the title sequence. Yes. Now, now it's weird to like, you know, since Hereditary, I guess it's less uncommon to see kids die in films. It was <laughs> still incredibly shocking. Like I was, I was very shocked and scandalized. I basically had, my hands cupped around <gasps> my mouth. Like, honestly, like, like involuntarily for the entire title sequence, I had, this is why my voice sounds like this, but I had my hands cupped around my mouth like this. And that's how the film begins. And from that point on, you know that this is not going to be your grandma's yeah, <laughs> Halloween <laughs> film. But maybe a lot of people would have preferred their grandma's or granddad's Halloween film. <laughs> anyway, three years later, the town of Haddonfield, Illinois, is still reeling from the aftermath of Michael Myers' latest killing spree in 2018 while Michael has vanished. Now, it's not just Michael had killed people. It's the fact that the town went vigilante and as a town they killed someone and mm. also kind of blaming Laurie because they all followed Laurie to like kick this guy's ass and be like, we're not afraid of him. And then he killed all those people from the town when they all tried to gang up on him. Yeah. So basically, they're basically like the town's constantly on edge. People are doing weird things. People are more aggressive. People, there's more suicides in the town. And everyone, well, a lot of people basically blame Laurie Strode for it. So Laurie Strode, and we know this because she's writing her memoir. And a lot of it is like, God, this is a really old reference, but like murder she wrote, where she's like <laughs> typing along and it's like, Hmm, I wonder if it's because Michael, you know, was Michael the bad guy or was it human? You know, like it's that yeah. sort of thing, right? Sounds like sex in the city to me. It's basically yeah, it's- sex in the city. It's sex in the city. <laughs> um, and she's such a Samantha. So, <laughs> Laura, actually, I don't, I don't know the sex in the city. Maybe she's not. Maybe she's one of the others. Anyway, um, she's bought a house and basically through 
her writing her memoir, we realized that she's actually trying to let go of Michael. Michael hasn't reappeared for three years. There was never a body, but he hasn't shown up. And she's basically just trying to live a normal life. And she's currently looking after her granddaughter, Allison, who's living with her because Allison's mom died in the last one, killed by Michael Myers. Mm. Now she's now a nurse and she lives in town. Mm. And there's, there's questions often that come up that's like, why wouldn't you leave? And they're basically like, number one, our whole life is here. And number two, we don't want to be afraid anymore. Which is, which is, you know, a nice excuse to keep them in the town. They're pretty, they're very much Charlottes, those two. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Corey, if you remember, was able to get let off. It was seen as an accident, so he wasn't charged. But the town hates him. The town sees him as a child killer and he's working at his stepfather's salvage yard. His stepdad's a good guy and is basically giving him a job, even though at the very beginning when he's having small talk with the mom, there's an illusion that he's going to go to uni, he's going to be an engineer, he has all these dreams. But because he accidentally killed this kid, he's now in the town working for a stepdad at a salvage yard. Yeah, okay. You okay? Right? Like, and, and mm. honestly, that's probably about 50 minutes before we see Michael in this film. It's pretty wild. There's a lot of setup, and a lot of people didn't like this. I really enjoyed it, but a lot of people, and I, like, I kind of understand why you might feel a bit shortchanged by it. Anyway, anyway, so. I feel like it's more old school horror film. Like, yeah. I feel like it's almost Evil Dead. You, you know, it took us 40 or 50 minutes to start seeing some spooky stuff. Right? Whereas, I guess everyone's like, we know Michael's the bad guy, you fucking idiot. Show, like, show yeah. us Michael. And look, it's a bit more fast-paced than The Evil Dead. Like, there's no point where Corey's, like, drawing a clock. <laughs> drawing and he's like, a clock. <laughs> Finding an old tape. <laughs> what else on this old tape? Ah, hey, hey, everyone, come around. And also, for the filmmakers to be like, let's not only have the scene where they go searching for things, let's not only have the scene where they find an old tape, <laughs> then let's have the scene where they listen to the tape. <laughs> Done. Oh, Gotta God. fill out 40, 50 minutes. <laughs> I do, yeah, I do feel like it's like, oof, guys, an hour and a half is ages. How are we going to fucking put some more shit in here? Anyway, so on his way home one day, Corey is taunted by high school bullies and injures himself in the process. There's this, there's, there's an implication from early on that basically he is like emotionally stunted by both what he did, but also by the way the town's treating him. And he doesn't really know how to act out. And anyway, like there are these high school bullies and it's, it's nice that in 2022, high school bullies, the group is quite diverse. Like they're male and female. There's, there's a POC. There's like, it, 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 it's funny that it's like everyone can be a bully. Like, you know, like in 2022, bully. it's not like, <laughs> you Believe know. in your dreams of bullying. Yeah, but, awesome. but even then, it's the <clears> girlfriend in this who's like, Come on, guys, you're being too cruel. Mm. Even then, it still follows that trope. But anyway, I've never really experienced this in my life because my experience with bullying was a lot more like, it was a lot less performative. In this one, it's a bunch of teenagers wandering town, actively looking for this person to like victimize and then pick on him in just the worst possible way, being like, oh, kill another kid, did you, kid killer? Why did you go cry about killing a kid? You know, like that sort of thing. Oh, God. That's really weird. It's sort of ineffective bullying. 
the effectively is it like it's more about like undermining your confidence and making you feel better <laughs> it's more subtle <laughs> anyway an observing laurie brings him to the doctor's office where allison works because laurie's like look he looks like a good kid i'm gonna save him from these bullies and bring him to the doctor's office where my granddaughter works because maybe they can set up and they sort of immediately click right because they're both kind of outcasts he killed this kid she was victimized by michael but her family is seen as the prize so they're both kind of prize in town kind of makes sense that they might click and they sort of begin a bit of a at least at the start a bit of a sweet teenage love story allison and corey develop a relationship and later attend a halloween party and there's a moment where corey comes along he dresses as a scarecrow because he's like hiding himself in a kind of creepy scarecrow mask, but takes off his mask on the dance floor, lets himself go, goes to the bar where he's confronted by Jeremy, the boy's mother. And she's basically like, oh, you're having fun, are you? After you killed my kid and never went to jail, you're, you're just going to party at a thing, which is obviously like a, a pretty tough situation to be in. <sighs> and he yeah. basically runs out, has an argument with Allison, and is like, I'm bad news. You can't save me. And breaks up, breaks it off with her. As he's leaving in this emotional state, the mm. bullies show up again in a car to victimize him again, to get out of the car and be like, oh, I'm running Ooh, to you. Going home from the bar. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they have a fight on this bridge. Mm. In the scuffle, they push him over the bridge onto the, I guess, the, the sewer vent below. The bullies all run away, leaving him to die. He's dragged into the sewers and confronted by the person who dragged him into the sewers when he wakes up, who it turns out to be Michael. So this is like maybe 40 or 50 minutes into this film. And there's an implication that Michael is now a bit weaker than he has been before because he's grown old and he's been living in the sewers ever since. Okay. Right? Now... When I, when I said before, he, he's dragged into the sewers, but he wakes up alone. And as he's almost escaping, this hand put, comes out of nowhere, grabs him by the neck. We notice it's Michael and it's strangling him because Michael often, like you remember, like he stabs, but he's also a bludgeony, strangly sort of killer. Yeah. Not all of his kills involve blood. Often they're just brute force. He's an all-rounder. Yeah. <laughs> and and we, we, we're going towards one of these, but then... This thing happens, and I think this is probably one of the more contentious moments of this film and this series in terms of what it means for the law, because it kind of implies that Michael has magic powers in a really weird way. So mm. Michael looks into this kid's eyes, and then we have this montage of everything that kid's been through, from killing that kid right up to meeting Laurie, Str like, you know, starting to create a relationship with Alison Strode. <clears throat> and after Michael see, like we, we assume Michael's seen this in his eyes, Michael lets go of him and Corey's allowed to escape. Uh, okay. On the way out, Corey is confronted by a homeless man who has a knife and is basically like, are you Michael Myers? I think you're Michael Myers. And they have this weird fight. In the struggle, Corey stabs the man to death and flees. All right, Corey then, after this, makes up with Allison and is basically like, I'm really sorry I fucked up, uh, but, I, you know, I really want to talk to you. 
and they go on a Funny dinner story, date. I met Michael Myers. Yeah. <laughs> well, he doesn't explain this yet, but they go on a dinner date and they're basically like, let's burn this town down. Fuck this town. Let's get out of here. Let's burn it all down. And he basically means let's actually like burn it down. She's basically like, I want to leave. There's a bit of a miscommunication, but they're both kind of on the same wavelength where they're like, <clears throat> fuck, fuck all this. of this. Let's leave. Yeah, let's go. Allison's ex-boyfriend, Doug Mullaney, while they're at dinner, shows up and harasses them both. And Corey sort of stands up to him and Doug steps off, but then later follows Corey. Corey knows that he's following him. So Corey mm. lures the cop into the sewer where Michael emerges and kills Doug to Corey's delight. At this point, I was like, where the fuck is this film going to go? Is this going to be about people dragging people to Michael in the sewers? Anyway, later on, Allison is passed over for a promotion at work. So remember, she works for a doctor. Um, she's a nurse. One of yep. the other nurses gets the promotion. She seems super annoying. And we later find out that that nurse is having an affair with the older affair doctor. With the yes, because yes, Corey follows the older doctor in the nurse home, kills the doctor while he's wearing his scarecrow, scarecrow mask. mask. So we yeah. think, so we kind of think, that it's going to be, okay, well, Corey's basically the new Michael Myers and he's going to wear a scarecrow mask. And he kills the doctor, not with a kitchen knife, but with a wine bottle opener and just repeatedly stabbing it Ugh. into the doctor's face, like over and over again. And, and, and in interviews with the director, what he said about this particular kill is that there's been so many classic Michael deaths over the sort of 13 or 14 films. I wanted to be like, what would it look like for an inexperienced Michael who I guess is emulating him but doesn't have the, 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 the I guess, the, the, the strictness of Michael, the, the fierceness, the severity of Michael, what would that look like? And it would look like a, a, like a messy corkscrew to the face sort of death. Anyway. Alice, Maybe I can't imagine things when they're explained to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, anyway, so anyway, the other nurse sees this happening, runs into the house where she's stopped and killed by Michael. And Michael does a thing where he basically stabs her to a wall. Can't remember how this happened, but somehow he stabs her to a wall and then does the head tilt thing where he looks at her body like hanging on the wall, stabbed into it. Do you know the, real, the reason why we're familiar with the head tilt? Why is that? It's because dogs do it to us. No. Shag, I'm certain of this. Fuck, that's so true. Oh, my Next God. Next time we have a chat, dogs go, mm. <laughs> They do. Fuck, Peach. Holy shit. Yeah, like, I, I only realized it recently. I saw the dog. I was like, oh, fuck. That's, like, you're doing it. That's a bigger revelation than Michael Myers having superpowers. Uh, look, we're here to drop bombs and imagine like Shrek, <laughs> Shrek Jr. actually being an okay play as well. Some good songs in there. Revelation 3. Okay, so an unknowing Allison plans to leave Haddonfield with an insistent Corey because of the past trauma while Laurie becomes increasingly suspicious of Corey. So it's this thing where like Laurie, even though she said she's put the past behind her, she's pretty much always had a guard up and she's starting to notice in her granddaughter's boyfriend, Elements of Michael. So she goes looking for him. And like Corey at some point gets kicked. Like this Wikipedia is five paragraphs long. There's a lot that happens in this film. <laughs> Corey at some point gets kicked out of 
his house by his parents um, because obviously his stepdad's lovely, but his mom is super protective after the death. And because mm. he's got a girlfriend, she doesn't want anything to do with him. We don't know where he's been staying until Laurie follows him to the house, to the now abandoned house where he killed the kid. And he's sleeping on the spot where the kid died, no, which is really weird. And, crazy. Yeah, yeah. and that's, and that's, that's where he's been staying anyway. So Laurie offers to help him on the condition that he distances himself from Allison. Corey retorts by blaming her for the events that have occurred in Haddonfield. He's basically like, this is all your fault. And says that if he cannot have Allison, no one will. Uh, Which is obviously like a pretty awful and triggering DV statement. Mm. But also it's really interesting what he means here because it doesn't mean what you think it means. And I'll explain that in a coming paragraph because there's only two <laughs> paragraphs left. Finally, on October 31, mm. Corey returns to the sewers and successfully fights Michael for his mask, which is a weird moment. Right, remember when I said that Michael's like not, at, like he's old, he's, he's yeah, weaker okay. now. Corey comes in and he's basically like, I, I want your mask. This is, this is the thing that gives you power. I'm going to take it. They have this fight and he takes the mask. And it's, it's a weird, like I, I'm not going to deny it's a weird moment, but it's a moment that happens. And now we know that Corey has the mask and shit's going to go down. That night, Corey embarks on a rampage, murdering the bullies after luring them to the salvage yard. There's some pretty grotesque kills, including, you know how like, in, you know how like when you're a mechanic, you use like a, one of those giant blow torches? <clears throat> yeah. So for the, for, for the ringleader bully, he pins him down and puts the blowtorch in his mouth and turns it on. <laughs> and we see basically his whole head like light up like from the inside first and then melt from the outside. Anyway, so he then goes, he goes on to kill his mother as well as a DJ at a local radio station <laughs> who had taunted him earlier. There's also this, it's not like quite a subplot, but there's this flavor to the town where there's like a radio DJ being like, all right, girls and ghouls, you're with Johnny Loop Loop on, <laughs> on Halloween radio. <laughs> spooky radio, right? And anyway, so he's basically also been, basically been like, fuck all these people. Michael Myers is the fault of Laurie and this kid. Like, basically, he's a dickhead and he gets killed. All the people who get killed are kind of dickheads so far. Like, nice. that's kind of what happens. It's, it's that they're gross kills and we know this kid's bad, but also they all kind of deserved it sort of horror kill. <clears throat> Not that anyone deserves to be murdered, but you know what I mean. At the Strode house... Laurie Foe attempts suicide. So this scene begins with us assuming because, you know, her daughter's running off with this guy. She's never found Michael. It's Halloween again. It's all become too much for her mm. and she's going to kill herself. And she's got the gun to her head. And I don't really know how this plan works, but somehow it's a plan to lure Corey to her, whom she then shoots down the stairs. And like there's a moment where we hear a gunshot, the door opens. It's Corey in that Michael mask and Laurie standing there with a the gun pointing at him being like, do you think I'd actually do that? And then shoots him and he falls down the stairs. But, but so do we, do we think Corey is now imbued with Michael powers now that he has the we'll mask? Wait, we'll wait, we'll wait, right? Wait, okay. So here's my explanation of what happens in the film. Not everyone agrees with it, but this is what I saw <clears throat> having seen nothing going into it. So she goes downstairs sees Corey and Corey's like, if I can't have her, no one will. 
And at that point, he stabs himself underneath the neck into the head, at which point Allison comes in and thinks that Laurie's killed him because it, seemed, it doesn't seem like that's the way he would, like he would kill himself. <clears throat> and she's like, you never wanted us to be together. You've been insane ever since Michael and he killed my mother. I can't be with you anymore. So basically his point was like, if I can't have her, well, you can't have her either. Yeah, okay. Right? Like, you can't have a relationship with her if I'm not allowed to have a relationship with her. And it's all, like, a little bit gross and patriarchal, but that's that's all. Um, well, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, it's all a bit racist, but that's Shrek. You know, like, I feel this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, look, I'm not explaining it. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm acknowledging it, I'm that it you. exists. I'm with, I stand with you. Okay, so at this point, this is a bit of a twist, but at this point, Michael suddenly arrives and kills Corey and then puts the mask back on. Isn't and Corey I, dead from putting the knife through his head? Well, no, he was still sort of gurgling, and I think he reaches for the knife or he reaches for the gun or something, and Michael arrives, snaps his neck, and puts the mask back on. And so what I take from that is that even though the film makes you think it's about passing on the legacy or there'll be a new Michael or whatever, it was just Michael using his magic powers after seeing through the life story of this kid, seeing that what he's gone through and the fact that he now has a relationship and can get him close to Laurie, he, I don't know, either possesses him or influences him to become the new Michael to do his bidding so he can get close to Laurie again. That's generous. That's a generous interpretation, but, but, but I'm <laughs> but, with you. I'm with you. But, but that's what I take from it, mm. right? A fight ensues in the kitchen and Michael's not as powerful as he used to be. So they're kind of evenly matched. Laurie eventually manages to pin Michael to the table and they do all this stuff. Like, I think they like, she slits his throat. Oh. I think she breaks one, like one of his arms. She throws a fridge down on his legs so he can't move. But even at this point, he's still moving and he manages to grab her by the neck and then he starts doing the weird magic trick on Laurie. Okay. Right? Like, and so we see her pass, but then the granddaughter, Allison, comes back. She's like, this isn't happening again, and slits his wrists to finally kill Michael. Ugh. Yeah, okay. Not satisfied that he's going to die, the police arrive. They're like, oh, fuck, you've killed Michael. In this struggle as well, Laurie takes off his mask and we don't see his face completely. But what we do see is basically just an old man. Like, you see wisps of hair. You see, like, you kind of see it in shadow. And I kind of love that it's like, oh, he's not a monster. He's this, old, he's this old man. Like, he's just a man. And the police come in and they see that it's Michael. And they're like, what do you want to do? And Laurie, who's cooperating with Deputy Hawk, like, you know, like, she still has a relationship with the police. Is like, we have to properly end this. So they strap Michael's body to a police car and slowly parade it through town as people follow to be like, we've killed Michael, to the salvage yard where Corey worked before they put his body into like one of those like shredder machines. And we basically watch, like there's, there is some gore <laughs> shadowing amazing. in this film. Okay, yeah. We watch Michael, like I guess it's that thing where it's like, you need to see as an audience this happen as well as the town of Haddonfield see this. They put Michael's body into the shredder and we watch his whole body basically pop and explode into a cloud of blood and leftover bits of gore and gristle. That's sort of your favourite death, Jack, or, or close to. It was, it, was, it was a weirdly 
not satisfying moment, almost like mournful moment. It was strange. Okay. In the in the ensuing days, Allison and Laurie reconciled, and Allison leaves Haddonfield while Laurie finishes her memoir and rediscovers her romance with Deputy Hawkins. Oh, There's another side okay. plot in this where the original deputy and her sort of I I guess start to rekindle a friendship, but it starts becoming more than that. And he keeps being like, you can't just stay here stuck in the past forever. I've heard that in Japan, the cherry blossoms are really nice this time of year. Why don't we go? Yes. And there's this element of that happening at the end. But then the coolest part of the ending, right? So you might remember from the original films, and we've talked about this in the past, in the original film, he was never referred to as Michael in the credits. He was simply referred to as the, the shape. shape. Now she finishes her memoir simply by saying, I realized after these past events that evil never dies. It simply changes shape. And then she finishes her memoir. She rekindles a romance with this guy. And then we finally see, I think we see, I could be wrong, but I think we see his mask on her bedside table. But that's the end of the film. It gives a pretty, I guess, satisfying answer to the question whether this is the end of Halloween. It feels like it's the end of Halloween or at least the end of Michael Myers. Peach, that was Halloween Ends. What did you think? I would have thought uh, Michael's powers would have been more completely described because he's very resistant <laughs> to gunshots. And like, and I thought, I thought we'd address that somehow if we were going to give him magic powers. <laughs> uh, I think the clairvoyancy is pretty unsatisfactory it's, on paper. It was really weird. I was like, uh, there was, I think I really, like I went in going like, I, like I'm like i really excited for this film. Mm. And so for my mindset when it happened was, I think part of me was like, what the fuck is this? But the other part of me was like, let's just go with this. We're on a roller coaster. It's a weird moment, but like this was unexpected, but let's just see how this pans out. I think it reflects well on you, Shaq. I think that's a generous, a generous reading of it. Because <laughs> um, it does feel like lots of ideas glued together, right? The idea of like, oh, we need to sort of copycat and then be like, oh, no, hang on. No, we don't want him to be a copycat copycat. We just want him to be almost a red herring sort of copycat who Michael was using. Uh, it almost leads back to the initial challenge of like, what do we want from Halloween? And I think the answer is that none of us really know. Like if it's the prototypical slasher, then we want it to show us what a, you know, gender challenged um, sort of male identifying knife wielding psychopath would do just walking around killing people. And and it's a concept that goes a little beyond that. And I feel like they often get themselves in a mess in this series as they did obviously from films through like three to 12 or whatever, <laughs> when they try to go beyond that. And I feel like it's at its strongest when um, in – Halloween, the 2018 version, they were like, like, what are you? Like, who, who are you? And you had your psychiatrist characters who were trying to come to grips with it. Mm. And then the sort of crowd magic in Halloween kills of trying to be like, oh, you, you, in that stomping scene, it's like, look, there's something about the crowd. And I feel like the series is at its strongest when they try to go, oh, no, it's just a knife-wielding guy. And here I, I can imagine people going to this and feeling like it got lost in its own mythology and it just sort of petering out to a bit of a mess. But if the thing itself, when divorced from all the films that preceded it, was good fun, 
then who cares? Shagun strikes me that that was your experience. You went in, you had an experience, you enjoyed it. I think I think you have uncovered something about my reaction that I didn't realize at the time. You know, when you ask what do we want from a Halloween film, I think when you actually break it down, what you want from a Halloween film as a franchise rather than a series of works of art mm. that will go in all sorts of different directions. As you know, as a franchise, you want Michael Myers as an unstoppable killing machine mm. doing lots of kills. You want Laurie Strode surviving, but mm. only just, and feeling like she gets the upper hand at least at some point before it all comes tumbling down. And you probably want glimpses of the mythology of Michael without over-explaining it. Mm. And I think, I think because of that, number one, him being killed probably wasn't as satisfying as it could be because it goes in the face of him being an unstoppable killer. Yeah, it's the anti-Halloween film. Also, him r- revealed to just be like an old man goes in the face of him having magic powers in which he can maybe possess people and, and be maybe... proof and be super strong. <laughs> and, and, like, live in the sewers, like, untraceable. Yeah. Like, I'm not a detective or a policeman <laughs> in a small town. But if there was a serial killer in this small town mm. and underneath this small town existed a easily accessible mm. su- sewerage network in which people can hide... Mm. I'd probably send someone down there to just like maybe have a, like Michael's not even that far in. You can literally, like there are points where the camera tracks out of the sewer, sewerage, you know, mm. um, the hole, and you can see where he's staying from the entrance. So it's not like, like you could send a couple of people in with torches and they could have found him. So somehow, like, so he's probably invisible or, and it's slightly frustrating to both tell me that he's just an old man and there was like, you know, and there was like a greater mythology created around him, but he's also a magic being with superpowers that aren't really described or consistent. And the mask to can imbue others with those powers. Like it's a green lantern <laughs> ring or something. It's, 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 it's either a superhero film or it's not kind of thing. I was <laughs> like, I can't quite get there. Yeah, Shaq, there are definitely going to be more of these. And my prediction is that the next time they come back, they're going to reset it. So this trilogy sort of didn't really exist either. Imagine if they reset it, but just for Halloween ends. So they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> Halloween <laughs> remake it exists. Halloween kills exist. But ooh, Halloween ends. No, it's not that. <laughs> At least it got lots of reviews. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?